What's up, Trace? How we feeling today? Good to see you this morning. So glad each and every one of you are here. Where are the college football fans in the room? Any college? Obviously, we need a better job at getting the right people in this church. Uh, just kidding. We're huge college football fans. My wife and I both graduated from the University of Kentucky. Thanks be to God. And so... Uh, we're excited for, that's why I'm representing this morning, we're, we're excited for college football. Hey, I want to I wanna talk to you about a handful of things that are coming up in the life of our church right now. And honestly, there is so much that we could celebrate. Uh, one of the things I would tell you is that we have maxed out Rooted. So I think we got 60 people register, registered for Rooted, which is awesome. You can give it up for that. Uh, last week, we actually had nearly 60 people at our Becoming a Trace luncheon. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our student kickoff. Ready for this? We had over 70 students at our student kickoff. Come on, give it up because it's awesome what God is doing in the life of this church right now. I also wanted to let you know that we're talking a lot right now behind the scenes about how we can get you guys connected to one another. Uh, obviously, we want you to connect to us as a church, but we're a family, and so families connect with one another. We may be dysfunctional at times, but we still want to connect uh, with one another, and so I want to give you a couple heads ups of uh, some things that are happening. Ladies, on September 10th, Saturday, September 10th, we've got a connection event, and I'm not going to get into the details because I don't have time to do it for each announcement here, but get on our app and check out that. We want ladies, we want you guys to feel connected to one another. Guys, on September 12th, Monday, we're going to come here and we're going to watch the first Monday night football game, Seahawks and Broncos, baby. That's going to be a good one. And so, uh, yeah, we want to invite you to come. We're going to invite you to bring some dude food. And so we'll enjoy that together. And also want to talk to the young adults in the room. Many of you have been coming like, hey, what do you got going for young adults? I do want you to know that we're looking to put together an event for 20-somethings uh, in September, uh, just a way for you guys to connect with one another. And so uh, we don't have the specifics on that yet, but pay attention. I promise you, uh, we're in the process of putting something together for kind of the 20-somethings here in our church. And so keep a heads up on that. Well, today we're continuing in our series that we've been in over a couple of weeks. If you're new here to Trace today, let me give you an idea of kind of where we've been. Uh, this series is called In This House, and the idea behind this series is to give us an opportunity to talk about some cultural distinctives for us as a church. In other words, things that we want to heavily focus on and then other things that we want to avoid. And so we kicked off this series a couple weeks ago by talking about the next generation and how in this house, in this house of worship, uh, the next generation is never going to be an afterthought. Instead, they're going to be a priority. Uh, last week, I got up here and I talked to us about the importance of hospitality. And we talked about how in this house, we are going to exercise radically ordinary hospitality. And I pointed out a particular passage to you where Paul was writing to the church in Rome and he says, it's because of God's kindness that people are drawn to repentance. And so imagine what our kindness, being hospitable, imagine what that could do to the person right now who feels like an outsider. The person right now who doesn't feel like they're even maybe worthy to come into this church because of however their story reads. Well, we wanna combat that to the greatest of um, our, you know, to the greatest extent as possible with radically ordinary hospitality, helping the stranger to feel like a friend. Well, today I gotta give you a heads up that I am incredibly pumped and passionate to talk to you about the subject of worship. This is one of those sermons that I would tell you I've had on the shelf for a while. In other words, I've been wanting to preach this sermon, but I have learned with time that there are certain 
times and there are certain even series that we do where those sermons actually fit better than others. And so this is something that has been brewing inside of me for a while and I'm incredibly pumped and excited to talk to you about worship today. And I want to begin this way because I believe that there are some people in here that are going through something right now and based on what I say today, you might just be a moment, listen to me, you might just be a moment away from a breakthrough. I've been praying for you, honestly. I've been praying for you all week. I've been praying for you guys all week. I've been praying for this sermon and how I believe God could use it to impact your life because it only takes a moment of worship, not passive worship. Listen to me, not passive worship, not pretend worship where we're just putting on a show, but soul surrendering worship. It only takes a moment of that for God to give you the breakthrough that maybe you're looking for. Because some of you, and I've done this long enough to know that some of you right now, you feel stuck in something. I don't know what it is. Maybe you would call it an addiction. Maybe you would call it a rut in your life and you just feel like you've been going through the desert and you know the trajectory that you're on, you know the path that you've been taking, it's not going to lead you anywhere that you're going to be thankful for in the future, but for whatever reason, you can't get yourself off the path. I pray that God gives you a breakthrough today, that he gives you what you need to make a bold move and to turn around and go in a different direction. Some of you are here today and you're, you're feeling a lot of relational tension. Maybe you're in a dating relationship that you know you shouldn't be in or one that's just struggling. Maybe you've already made some compromises in that relationship and both of you feel it and you wanna, you wanna make a change or maybe it's in your marriage relationship and you've just, it's just been like a desert and you've tried some things and it's not necessarily corrected the way that you hoped that it would and you're wondering, can change even happen? I pray that today God gives you the breakthrough you need and it only takes a moment, a moment of soul surrendering worship for that to happen. It only was a moment of worship for me when I was 10 years old that I gave my life to Jesus. It was in a moment of worship in my 20s in college where I turned away from destructive, destructive deliberate sin and truly began to surrender my life to Jesus. I remember there was a high school that I taught at for a while um, and there was a scheduled chapel service for this high school and it was only scheduled for uh, one hour. And in a moment of worship, I saw hundreds of high school students begin to repent of their sin, to go to other students and ask for forgiveness, begin to surrender their life to Jesus. And what was scheduled for an hour lasted three hours. It was in a moment of worship that I would tell you I saw my wife in a spontaneous moment of worship. About 20 years ago, my wife decided to go forward and be baptized in a moment of worship where I was feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit and truly didn't have any desire up until this moment to leave the career that I got a degree in, which was health and wellness field. And in a moment of worship, I felt God calling me to step away from that career and go into full-time ministry. A moment of worship, genuine, soul-surrendering worship. A breakthrough can happen. I've seen it, I've experienced it, and if you need that today, I pray, I've been praying all week, that God would give you that moment of worship, that moment of breakthrough, that moment where maybe he 
He's calling you to make a bold move. Listen to me, a bold move in your faith and life right now that won't just radically transform your life, but it's gonna transform the lives of people around you. I'm nobody, and I wanna be clear when I said that, I'm nobody, but I imagine if I never had that moment of breakthrough worship that called me to leave my career and do what I'm doing today, which is why you're sitting in the chairs that you're sitting in. A moment of worship, genuine, soul-surrendering worship could lead you to a breakthrough that you didn't even see coming today. Now, I want to build uh, this idea of what I'm talking about when I talk about worship today, because some of us may have some different things in mind. And I would begin with the Greek word that we read when we read through our New Testaments. When you see the word worship, you're actually seeing the Greek word there, proskuneo. Everybody say proskuneo. And proskuneo, every time we see it in the context of worship, it demands your posture to change. If you were to define proskuneo, it's kneeling down. It's laying prostrate on the ground. And I've practiced that word prostrate very clearly this week because I wanted to say prostate too many times. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see it in the context of someone laying down on the ground and literally kissing the ground, oftentimes in the presence of a king. And so you could make the argument that proskuneo, that biblical worship never actually takes place unless it actually changes our posture. That biblical worship is only when we realize, ready, that we're in the presence of a king and he's worthy, he's worthy of our praise. That he's worthy of us changing our posture as a sign of surrender from time to time. That he's worthy of us opening our lives up a little bit more to him so that he can take up more room in our life, more residence as, as uh, John the Baptist says that he may increase and that we may decrease. Now, what I don't want to do today, listen to me, what I don't want to do today is I don't want to nuance to death what worship is and worship isn't, right? Because some of you probably got a nice Christian coffee cup at home that says, worship is a lifestyle. You know, it's like, hey. And that's sweet. It really is. But if we're going based on the, the definition, the only definition that we're given through proskuneo in the New Testament unless you're walking through your day-to-day -day life consistently surrendering to God and your posture changing over and over again, then it's not a lifestyle. It's a moment. It's a moment where you're reminded that you're giving your life to God again and again and again because we worship a king, amen? And we're asking him to take up more residence in our life. We're asking him to fill us with his Holy Spirit again. I'm gonna talk about that today. Now, a fun question to talk with your spouse about, or maybe a small group, is if worship, you know, is, has to do with posture, a changing of our posture, uh, what does change your posture? Like, think about your day-to-day -day life, think about things that happen in your life that actually change your posture. I would tell you, in our home, when we watch Kentucky football or Kentucky basketball, our, our posture changes. I think we've scared our kids a few times because they didn't grow up in that culture, and yeah, we get crazy. Sometimes we lose sight of Jesus, but we dial it back in quickly. And if you think I'm joking, I brought some real footage. So check this out. This is my wife, Emily. And just to be clear, I did not get her permission to share that today. So it was just as much a surprise to her as it is to you. But I told her, babe, there's nothing more sexy to me than when you're, okay, well, we'll leave it there. 
I want to show you something in John's gospel that potentially is the greatest example of someone changing their posture because it's like the moment just demanded it of them. Like they knew that they were in the presence of greatness. They knew they were in the presence of God. They knew they were in the presence of a king and their posture just changes. Maybe one of the more radical examples of it, but I wanted to show it to you today. It's in John chapter 12 and I'll begin in verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And by the way, that just happened in verse 11. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. I want you to imagine the posture that would have been necessary for that to happen. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Can I ask you an honest question this morning? Does the person beside you, maybe right now or any Sunday, does the person beside you or the people around you limit how much you're willing to worship? Like, like answer it honestly. Does the person beside you or the people around you limit how you feel that you need to worship God sometimes? Because if we were going off the example of Mary, she didn't care what anybody thought. She didn't care what the disciples thought. She didn't take time to wonder, how's this gonna make me look? She didn't care if it made her look foolish. She didn't care if anybody challenged her in what she was doing because she knew she was in the presence of a king. She saw Jesus raise her brother from death to life after he was in a tomb for four days. Nothing was going to stop her from surrendering to God in this moment, in this way, fully worshiping him, taking some of the best perfume that she had, likely had to save up money for years to buy it and pour it and anoint his feet and take her hair and wipe it in. Nothing was going to stop her. Nothing was going to deter her from worshiping her king. So let me ask you, does anything affect you? Does anything deter you? Does anything cause you to hesitate in giving God the honor and praise and glory that he deserves because you might be afraid of how it makes you look? I would say all of us have probably felt that at some point in time where we felt something stirring inside of us. It caused us, and again, it, maybe it was raising your hands. Maybe it was sitting down and bowing down. Maybe it was dropping to your knees. But we didn't want to look that way. We didn't want to, didn't want to make the person beside us feel uncomfortable. I, I'm guilty of that caring way too much about what other people thought or said or did. Mary didn't. Maybe you're thinking, well, Aaron, if I saw Jesus raise somebody back to life, I'd drop to my knees too, to which I would respond, you ready? Oh, he did, and you have. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter two. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, everybody say dead, because of our sins, he gave us life, everybody say life, when he raised Christ 
from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he has raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Let me jump over to Romans chapter five. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Trace, do not miss it. Jesus brought you from death to life. He saved you from destruction and gave you a divine purpose. And listen to me, if that doesn't make you wanna drop your head sometimes, if that doesn't make you wanna raise your hands, if that never makes you want to drop to your knees, if it even never makes you at least at some point say, thank you, God, I'm not sure you have you've appreciated or completely embraced what he saved you from. Because if you understood what he saved you from, I promise you, you would drop to your knees. You'd kiss the ground that he's walking on. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you to take a moment, maybe of worship today, and think about your posture. I wanna challenge you to think through, if all this is true, and Jesus saved me from certain death, from a life of eternal destruction, if he gave me a new life, what posture should show my appreciation? What kind of posture should come out of me that shows him that he is worthy of my praise? Many years ago, I was in Djibouti, Africa. Djibouti neighbors, it's a small little country in Africa. It neighbors Ethiopia. And uh, we were there doing some mission work and it's a closed country, about 98% Muslim. You're not allowed to come in there as Christians and talk about Jesus. If you do, you can go to prison. And so we were careful while we were there, but while, while we were there helping a, a local worker on the ground, he told us about this uh, underground Ethiopian service, uh, Christian Ethiopians. Uh, and it was underground for a couple reasons. Number one, they could go to prison, but being Ethiopians in Djibouti, Djiboutians would actually um, persecute these Ethiopians just for being Ethiopian. They didn't like them being in their country. And so they had this underground Ethiopian service that we went to and we get there and as service is starting, which is kind of interesting even to say it that way, because we kind of have our American church context, right? It's like, hey, we're starting service. When they were ready, they just all got to their knees and put their face on the ground. And they just started worshiping. And they had to do it really quietly, because if anybody heard them, and we heard many stories of how they'd been taken to prison, different people, because the cops would hear about their gathering. And they just light on the ground, face the ground, just praising God and worshiping him. It's, it's as if they didn't know any other way to do it. They found out I was a pastor and they asked me if I'd be willing to say a few words and church, I'll be honest with you, I've never felt more unqualified to speak to a group of people because little did they know they were teaching me. They were teaching me how to worship. Now I wanna be careful today, okay? I wanna be careful today to not let anybody walk out of here hearing something that I'm not saying. Because what I'm not saying, please hear me out on this, what I'm not saying is that you're more spiritual, okay? You're more spiritual if you raise your hands. You're more spiritual if you drop to your knees. You're more spiritual if you know. On that note, 
and maybe you need to write this down, worship has absolutely nothing to do with you and how spiritual you are. Now, depending on the kind of context of faith and what tribe you grew up in, that might be a challenge to you, but so let me say it one more time. It has absolutely nothing. When you worship God, it has absolutely nothing to do with you and how spiritual you are. Ready? Worship is one of the only things in your life that you can actually give to God. He can't make you, he could, but he decided not to. He can't make you, he decided not to make you worship him. And so if you decide, if you decide to give God your worship, to surrender to him in that way, it's one of the only things that you can give to God, which means this is not about you. It's not about how spiritual you are. It's not about putting on a show. It's about showing God, God, I think you're worthy of my praise. God, you are worthy of my life, all of it, surrendering. God, and we've all been there, right? God, I feel like I've drifted. God, I feel like I'm removed from the purpose that you have for me and I've drifted and so God, I'm inviting you to come come back and guide me once again. I wanna give you more space in my life. Soul surrender. It doesn't happen just one time. Excuse me, it happens over and over again. And I would also challenge this idea, sometimes we want to, we want to water down this idea of worship by making it a genre of music. And I'm here to tell you today, worship is not a genre of music on your Spotify list. It's just not. Now again, not wanting to nuance to death this idea of worship, I would tell you that something does happen when we sing. And I've been thinking about this this week, that something does happen oftentimes that is deeply spiritual. Something happens when we sing, and I've been thinking about this, and, and maybe, I, I, I don't wanna act like I've got this figured out, but there's not too many other areas of our life that we're singing with an idea of submission, right? Maybe you sing to your husband or wife every now and then, and it's a nice romantic night for you. We'll leave that over there, but, but do we, like, where else do we sing with this idea of submission? Where else do we sing with this idea of praising someone else? And so I would suggest to you today that one of the most consistent opportunities that each of us have to feel the presence of God more deeply is Sunday morning. I would suggest to you today one of the most important reasons why you need to make this gathering a a priority is because I think it's one of our best, not only, let me be clear, not only, one of our best opportunities to open ourselves up again for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And when that happens, so do breakthroughs. Now, I wanna mind down on this a little bit, okay? Because it's possible, depending on how long you've been following Jesus or maybe you're even new to all this, it's possible that you're gonna mishear something that I say. So I want to mind down on this and I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit for a second, just briefly, just to give you a heads up. In November, we're going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit. But I want to show you something and I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says this He, he says, and you, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the number one most important aspect of the Holy Spirit is that he seals your salvation. When you believe the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you accept that and you give Jesus your life, you are given the promised Holy Spirit who seals your salvation. In other words, when the Father looks to you He either sees his spirit in you or he doesn't. If he sees his spirit in you, then you are covered with the righteousness of Christ. That seals your salvation, okay? And the Holy Spirit doesn't leave and then come back. In other words, if, or or when you hear me say that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, or he was full of the Holy Spirit, the reason I say it that way is because throughout the book of Acts, after the apostles already experienced receiving the Holy Spirit because they heard the gospel of truth and accepted that and believed it, it still says throughout the book of Acts, which is the beginning of the church, the story of the beginning of the church, we still see that those apostles at times were full of the Holy Spirit. And it says things like when they were full of the Holy Spirit, they did something bold or they were filled with the Holy Spirit and miraculous things happened. And so again, just to be clear, it's not like the Holy Spirit takes a lunch break and he leaves every now and then and then comes back. That doesn't happen But there is, there is, and I should say there are times where the Spirit of God will fill you once again. Anybody ever experience this? Yeah. There are times where you will feel a deeper connection to the Spirit of God, a deeper type of fullness to the Spirit of God. And in those moments, maybe you feel more empowered, you feel more courage to make a bold step in your faith, to break through something that's been holding you back. And so I've been praying all week that God would give some of you, many of you, a moment like that. Because it just takes a moment of surrendered worship where the Spirit of God fills you for you to experience not just a breakthrough, but leading you to a bold move in your faith that won't just radically transform your life, but the lives of those around you. I got way off my notes. Let me see where I'm at. This is why one of our greatest motivations on Sunday morning is to create a thin space in this room. You've probably heard us talk about this. If you see the guys that are on our creative arts team on the back of their shirts, it says creating a thin space. And the reason that's such a priority for us is because we want to remove as many obstacles as we can. We want to get rid of as many distractions as we can so that you can experience the presence of God more deeply so that you can invite the Spirit of God into your life more fully. Because when that happens, so do breakthroughs. I wanna show you how the Apostle Paul puts this when he writes to the church in Rome. It's in Romans chapter 12, probably one of the best ways I could describe it. He says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper what? Worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't miss it because the Apostle Paul just put this in a beautiful package. He says, your body is not your own. And so when you understand that Jesus paid 
paid for your life through his own body. Now you're giving your life over to God through your personal act of worship. It's your own sacrifice. God, this is not my body. This is not my life. It's your life, God. I'm surrendering it to you. And when that happens, that's our spiritual act of worship. When that happens, transformation is on the table. Don't miss it. When we surrender our lives to God, not just once, but over and over again as a spiritual act of worship, then transformation is on the table. You know another way to define transformation? A breakthrough. Man, I pray a breakthrough is coming for someone in here this morning. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Some of you in here today right now, let's just be honest, and I've been in your seat So the last guy that's gonna give you a guilt trip is this guy right here. That's how your life is kind of being summed up right now. You're just conforming to the pattern of the world. And maybe this moment right now, because I would say what we're doing right now is a, a certain kind of worship. Maybe it's in this moment right now you're filling the spirit of God, fill you once again, helping you to see that he's got something better for you. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, Paul says. Be transformed. Allow God to do a breakthrough in your life because of your willingness to give him your life as a spiritual act of worship, not one time, but over and over again. Several years ago, um, there were some neuroscience researchers who did a study on church choirs and they put some, the, some, some pulse monitors in these guys' ears as they were singing. And they were studying several different things, but one of the, excuse me, one of the major discoveries that caught them off guard is that with just a little bit of time after the choir started singing together, that their heart rates began to become synchronized as if it was just one heartbeat. I want you to hold that thought. In John chapter 17, the entire chapter is devoted to Jesus saying a prayer for us. It's the only time we see this happen. And you may ask, well, what did he pray for us about? He prayed that we, his church, would be one. And he says, Father, as you and I are one, as you, as you and I are unified in our purpose and mission, I pray that they, they being us, I pray that they are one. Let me show you how he concludes it in John 17, 23. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I don't know if you miss it or not, just in case you did, let me make it this clear. What Jesus is saying is that our unity is the gospel's best opportunity. Now stay with me because I'm gonna try to package it together like the Apostle Paul did. Trace Sunday morning worship is not just us singing a few songs. You ready? It's arguably our best opportunity to synchronize our hearts and advance the gospel. To seize moments of worship, allowing the Spirit of God to fill us once again. Finding a posture of soul surrender 
reminding ourselves that we don't come in here and worship an empty, or we don't come in here and worship a tomb that still has a body in it, but we worship an empty grave, amen? That our king is worthy of our praise. Would you give God your worship this morning? I've asked the band to come up here and sing a song that led me to my own spiritual breakthrough not too long ago, probably about nine months ago. I was, I was in a season of darkness. I was in a season of discouragement. And this song kind of came, you know, to the surface. I don't even remember how or where I first heard it. But I remember that as I began to learn the lyrics and I began to sing, God gave me a breakthrough. And I felt like I stepped out of the darkness and back into the light. And so when you see and hear your pastor up here preaching about this, hopefully with so much passion, it's because I've experienced it. And I learned a long time ago not to be selfish with what I experienced because I really do believe that most of us are like the rest of us. And if God can do it for me, I have no doubt he can do it for you. There's a moment in this song, and I want to read you some of the lyrics, and you're going to recognize the song, some of you. It says, from the gravest of all valleys come the pastures that we call grace, a mighty river flowing upward from a deep but empty grave. When we sing that here in a few moments, I don't want you to pretend to be anybody that you're not, but if you're ready to give God some some praise this morning, some honor to glorify him through your words. I want you just to shout after we sing that moment. I want you to, maybe you can say, thank you, God. Maybe you can say, hallelujah, whatever you feel led to say, but don't let the people around you deter you from what's already in you. Guys, when we fully embrace, when we fully embrace and understand what Jesus has done for us, It should make all of us want to drop to our knees, bow our head, at times raise our hands and just say, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for giving me life when I deserved death. Would you give him your worship today? Would you be willing to show a posture of surrender, a posture of praise? Is he worth that to you today? Trace, there's coming a day, the scripture says, where every knee will bow and every tongue confess in the presence of God. And all we can do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And if we know that day is coming, man, let's get some practice in today, amen? Let's get some practice in today. Let me close with this. Sometimes um, I stand in the back and I watch you guys worship and I enjoy doing that. And sometimes I see some of you raise your hands and worship that way. Other times I see people just sit in their seat and you can tell they're just allowing the words to cover them and to bless them. And they just kind of take it all in. And then sometimes I watch people break I've experienced this. I watch people just completely break. And let me, 
let me reassure you, it's the kind of brokenness that's beautiful. It's the kind of brokenness that happens when the Spirit of God fills you, convicts you, helps you to see and be reminded that God's got something so much better than the path that you're going down. If you need to let that happen today, don't care about what anybody else thinks around you. That may be your moment of breakthrough. Here recently, I've stopped standing in the back so much and I've come down and I just sit right here on the front row because as much as I love watching you guys worship, that shouldn't ever deter me from worshiping my king without any distractions, without any other obstacles. And I pray that as the weeks and months unfold, if, man, you love to worship God and you love to surrender to God, man, start filling up this in a row. I'm oftentimes sitting down here by myself. I'm like, do I have bad breath? What's going on? I invite you to come down and maybe there'll be this cascading effect of worship that flows from the front to the back, maybe. I'm gonna pray for us. These guys are gonna lead us into this song and I'm not asking you to put on a show. I'm not asking you, well, let me say it this way. I'm also asking you to not be passive in your worship. What does a posture of surrender look like for you this morning? Don't care about what anybody else thinks around you. He's worthy of your praise. Father, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for the time that you have given us to come in and show you that we worship you. Come in and remind ourselves that our posture should be changing from time to time to show you honor. You're worthy of it. God, thank you for the promise that when we gather together that your power and your presence is made more available to us. There's a reason why we feel more deeply connected with you and more filled with the Spirit when we gather together like this. You tell us that when we gather in agreement that you show up, that when a bunch of people get in the same room and want your Holy Spirit to move powerfully, that you listen. Father, I, I thank you for those promises and I pray, God, I pray that if someone needs to be filled today, if somebody needs that breakthrough, if somebody needs the courage to make a bold move, you'd give them everything that they need and that something would happen in a moment of worship for them that maybe they can't even explain, but they know it's you. So God, we give ourselves fully to you in worship this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.